Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. We shall read verses 18 and 19 of 1 John chapter 2. And this will be the text for this evening. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. They went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Let us unite together in just a moment of prayer. Our Father, we are thankful for your spirit that has been felt in our midst this evening as we have shared together and singing of your word, sharing together and the special music and the prayers that are offered and the fellowship that we've had one with another. We pray now that as we look in your word, that you would take that which is there and deal with it in our lives, that we might be more as you would have us be. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to title the message tonight, The Antichrists, plural, The Antichrists Have Come. I made mention in this morning's message, which you may or may not have agreed with, I'm not sure, but one of the real problems that we face in the church today is that a great number of our church members are not saved. You might take issue with that, which is fine. And really, that's the very subject that John gives us in these two verses. All in the church are not Christian. The problem is there is, a difficult, there is difficulty in determining the difference between the two. For non-Christian people look like and act like Christians, and unfortunately, Christian people oftentimes look and act like non-Christians. So how do we tell the difference? The disciples thought that it was possible to go into the midst of people and just sort them out, one to the left and one to the right, but the Lord would not allow that. As a matter of fact, he gave us a parable on that very subject in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. And I want to go back there. Matthew 13, beginning at verse 24, says this, by parable, Jesus is speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemies came and sowed tares, that is, weeds, among the wheat, and went his way. When the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, 
Then appeared the tares also, so the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field, and from whence then has it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. And the servants said unto him, Wilt thou that we go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest ye also gather up the tares. Yes, while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. But I think we have learned over the years, it's quite obvious that Jesus is talking about the fact that it is not the responsibility of the church or of us as Christian people to determine who is saved and who is not. That is reserved for the Lord himself. We certainly can have some indications, but that's as far as we can go. I believe you probably have been taught over the years that a tear that was referred to here in the scripture in its young life looks exactly like the wheat. And it's very difficult to tell the difference between the weed and the wheat when it is growing up. And if one went into the field and tried to pull up the tares, the weeds that are in the wheat field, he would disrupt and tear up the growing process of many plants of wheat. I don't know if you have ever cared for that principle into our lives. But listen, we who are Christian have kept the Lord from taking out of this world members of our families who are not Christian, for their being taken out will have a disrupting effect upon us who are left. And the Lord has sympathy for us in many times when he will not take our loved one who is not saved because of the effect that it might have upon us. But this is really not the subject that John is dealing with. He is dealing with the subject of those who supposedly are Christian, who in fact they are not. Those who appear to be Christ-like, who in fact in their heart are of the devil. In the Old Testament we have the story of Jacob and Esau. Isaac was about to die, he was blind. And he called his eldest son Esau to him and said, Go out in the field and kill a deer and bring it in and fix me my favorite pot of venison and then I will give you the blessing of the family. Jacob heard it and his mother heard it and they wanted Jacob, his mother and Jacob, wanted the blessing to pass to Jacob and so they connived the scheme whereby Jacob would kill a goat to make it taste like venison, but he would take the skin of the goat and put it upon his arms and his chest because Esau was a very hairy individual and Jacob was very fair-skinned. So that when their father would take his hand and place it upon the chest or upon the arms of his son, he would be deceived in thinking it was Esau when in fact it was Jacob. It is this very thing that goes on in the lives of us all when we deceive each other and put on a mask that makes us look like something we are not. And the problem within the church, as we quoted this morning, and I want to follow through a little bit this evening, is that so many people who sit in the pew 
look so much like by their physical appearance and by their activities like they are God's children when in fact their heart is black with sin because they have not truly been converted to Jesus Christ. And there are the people that John calls as the Antichrist, plural, who have the spirit of that person that we have called the Antichrist over the years, and I'll speak more of that in just a moment. It ought not be thought strange that the devil has in the midst of God's church his own people. It ought not to be thought strange that God puts, or that the devil puts his preachers in the pulpit. It ought not be thought strange that in the choir sing many people who do not believe the word of which they sing. Because it is the spirit of the one that is called the Antichrist that has taken residence firm and strong within the hearts of such to deceive the church and make the church think that there's something they are not. And then the church gets labeled with the word hypocrite. Yes, there are hypocrites, that is, those who are imitations within the church. And we as a church must be the first to acknowledge that in our midst are those who are imitation Christians. And it is not upon us to be so presumptuous that we could dare to tell the difference. Nor it's not up to us to decide who is saved and who is not saved. It is up to us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and leave the division until the day of judgment when the Lord himself will make that determination, not to us. Now you know the Antichrist is a literal, historical figure yet to come. He's not yet here. Some people believe he's already born. He's in the world. And that he is preparing for world's dominion one of these days. He's not here yet, as far as we know, in a form that we can recognize. But as we studied in the book of Revelation several months ago, which I think we need to just refresh just a moment, is that there is a person, a literal human being, who will be born in this world if he's already is not already born, and who will assume the leadership of the world. He will claim to be capable of giving security, of giving peace, and of giving prosperity to every nation in this world. And if there is anything the world wants, it certainly will be tied to those three words. And he is going to be so convincing that the world governments are going to give allegiance to him, and the day will come when every nation will bow in homage to this individual, and then he will reveal his true identity, and we will know that he is the Antichrist. The sheep, or the, the wolf in sheep's clothing, the Jacob in Esau's skin of goat. But, he says there are Antichrists. Notice the word that is plural. Antichrists have come already. They had already come on the day that John was writing, and they certainly are here now. And that is those people who have the same spirit within them, 
that the single individual Antichrist will have when he comes, and his uh, spirit has been derived from Satan himself, will be in the midst of the church. Now they come and go. And you've heard the doctrine of the swinging door. We receive so many, many people through our doors, and so many, many people go out the back. Those who are false, false Christs, proclaiming the gospel to be what they preach that is in the world, you don't have to go too long until you can find somebody who says that he is the Christ. You don't have to go too long until you can find some preacher who says he has a market, he has the corner on the market of the gospel. You don't have to go too long and listen to television or or to some church to discover some individual who has the only gospel there is, and it's preached by that church. Listen, whenever you hear some preacher say he has the only message, the only true word, you better be thinking that he might possibly be trying to deceive you into following the spirit of the Antichrist. There is no church that can make that proclamation. Because the true church is made up of believers who have received the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior. And that's the body of the church. We're not talking about people who are Baptist or Church of Christ or Catholic or whatever they might be. We're talking about born-again believers in Jesus Christ who have received the Spirit of God into their lives and have excluded the Spirit of the Antichrist. If you have the Spirit of God in your heart, you're a Christian, and you're a member of the true church, and you're on your way to heaven. John said in chapter 4 of this very same epistle, he said, My brethren, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Because somebody preaches it, don't you believe it, unless you can prove it by this book. You hear that? Now down in verse 19, he says, They went, who? Who are they? They went out from us. The Antichrists who came in through the church, who created havoc within the church, they went out from us. But why did they go out from us? Because they did not belong to us. We've got to go back to Hebrews. You want to go back there with me? Hebrews chapter 6. I want you to notice something in the 6th chapter. Verses 4 through 6. This passage of Scripture has been misinterpreted by many churches by many Christian people. This is what it says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing that they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him in an open shame, to an open shame. I have heard people say, hey, that means you can lose your salvation. And if you lose it, you're never going to get it back again. You 
see, it's impossible those who are once enlightened and have partaken, if they fall away, see the, the, the trend of the preaching? If they fall away, they're not going to get saved. Therefore, it must be possible for a person to fall uh, away from that which we believe is the true word of God and, and his salvation. There are some misunderstandings here. Let's look at some of the words. First, the word enlightened. There are many people sitting in our church pews who have been taught the gospel and are enlightened. They know the truth. But knowing the truth with one's mind does not make it in his heart. We can believe things with our mind without receiving them into our heart. And that person who can quote the Bible from end to end, and I've met them as well as you, who never darkened the door of the church, you better begin to question the salvation, folks. Because he is well enlightened, he knows all the truth, but he certainly is not obedient unto the truth, because one of the truths of God's word is, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And they never come to church. And yet they know the Bible. So, we have an enlightened people. Now then, the second word is, word is tasted. And they have tasted. Now, here comes the real problem. You can taste something without swallowing it, can't you? Lynn may remember, I think it was Brussels sprouts that she hated so bad that I insisted that she eat. And I would say to her, all you've got to do is taste it, and if you don't like it, you don't have to eat anymore. And before that Brussels sprout got to her mouth, she was going this way. And as soon as it touched her lips, out it came, never swallowed. The taste buds never got a chance. The mind said to the lips, don't let it in. And the taste buds were there yearning to taste that good old Brussels sprout, but they never got the chance. That's exactly what happens in the lives of many people who get just a little bit of it, and it gets to the lips, but they never really get it into their mouth, and they certainly don't swallow. Now, it is entirely possible for people to have a taste of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we are encouraged to taste and see that the Lord is good. But listen, when he talks about tasting and seeing that he's good, he's talking about putting your spiritual taste buds to work and let it roll around in your mouth, spiritually speaking, and let the taste buds understand the, the goodness of it, and then, once you've done that, swallow but this verse is talking about people who have put it to the lips, who have had a slight little taste, but who have rejected it, never accepted the truth, just got a little taste of it. Not only do they taste it, but they also share. Listen, folk who are not Christian share the goodness of those who are Christian. I want you to know, for those of you who have members of your family at home that have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, they have shared in what you have brought home. They have benefited in your life. 
and from your life. They have benefited from the church because you have taken to them some things from the church. They've shared all of that, but they've never received it. He says it is impossible to bring them to repentance. One of the most difficult persons in this world to deal with when it comes to salvation is that person who was brought up in the church but has rejected. It is dangerous for a person to hear the gospel year after year after year and say no, 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 no to the invitation to accept Jesus Christ. It's impossible to deal with sometimes. The scripture says that he that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck, that is really take a strong stand and say no sir. So the neck stands out and you know that he means what he says because his neck tells you that he's going to resist with all his heart. He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be cut off and that without remedy. It's dangerous to resist and reject because one may never come back to the point of repentance. And what does this type of life do? The last thing that Romans or Hebrews here will teach us is that it puts Jesus to open shame. It's a disgrace for people to pretend to be Christian when they're not. A disgrace. Jesus gave us in the book of Revelation one of the churches, the statement that he would that we were cold or hot, he does not like anyone lukewarm. All right. A type of person like this that we can talk about is Judas, who spent his life in the presence of the Savior himself, who partook of all of the activities that the Lord did, who sat at the communion table, such as we did this morning, and ate the bread and drank the wine, along with the believers. But went out and betrayed our Lord. Believers ought to belong, and believers ought to stay. And we as Christian people need to be so firm in our faith that nothing will deter us from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The Antichrist will go because they can't stand the preaching of the gospel. We can proclaim as Paul did, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. But listen, the ones who have the spirit of the Antichrist cannot make that proclamation. And when they are confronted by the knowledge of their own salvation, they have to back up and begin to find excuses and ways to get around it because they cannot be firm in their statement that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm saved.
we need to recognize then that Antichrists have come and are in our midst. And we as Christian people have the spirit of Jesus Christ within us, given to us on the day of our salvation. We're filled with his spirit. And our job is to proclaim him as Lord and Master. And reveal in the day of harvest that we were the true wheat and they were the tares. And there will be a distinction made at that time. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you received him as your Savior? We don't ask, never, I hope. Do you want to become a member of this church? That's not the first question. First question is, do you want to be a part of the body of Christ? Do you want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you want to receive him as Savior? If you're not a Christian tonight, you've been in the midst of Christian people, but you're not a Christian. Won't you reject the spirit of the Antichrist and receive the spirit of the Christ? The Holy Spirit. And we give the invitation to simply get out of your seat and come on down front. Say by that coming, I am tonight going to turn my life around and I'm going to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to be a part of heaven. I'm going to declare my faith in him tonight. Will you do it? There's a person who is wayward, has been out of the church for some time. You would like to rededicate your life. We encourage you to do that as well. If you want to become a part of this church for transfer membership to another church, we encourage you to make that known. But most especially, we invite you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as we sing our invitation here. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.